Everybody, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week's episode is entitled, Your Age Does Not Expire. And there's a reason why we've chosen this title. In fact, it was not even the original idea for this title. But at the time that we're recording this, because obviously it's going to be coming out way later on because we've got other things scheduled into work. So we're just trying to get everything in advance in case, you know, shit comes up and we can't get together. Something happened earlier today on our way to Podcast HQ. Mm. And I would love to tell that story, but 
before I tell that story, I have to introduce the person that is responsible for the story. But I cannot, in good conscience, my ego, my pride will not let me introduce this guy without bringing you and presenting to you the three most immaculate instruments in the history of the booze cap. Pineapple goes on a pizza. Fuck you. Lutes. Files. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now. Feel the sweet spark of connection. If you don't screw up this moment somehow, maybe you won't die alone. Don't be too needy or bring up your ex. Don't say the words, herpes simplex. Don't ever mention you've never had sex. Trust me, I promise she knows. And now her defenses are starting to fall. Smile and return her affection. If you don't manage to ruin it all, maybe you won't die alone. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, he is here back again on the Boochcast. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? Dude, yes, yes, it's me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Gina speaking, I'm not broke yet. Boochcast and listeners across the internet radio waves that's right folks it's that time time again it's time for the boost cast fuck you what why 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 are you so hostile i give you your own intro i let the music play i do i do so much nice things for you and you're just so me why man just fuck you i put a lot of work into this man you know how hard it is to edit all this stuff oh boo hoo go cry to your mommy she's right downstairs go fuck yourself how about that? So anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned before, the title of this episode is called Your Age Does Not Expire. And the reason is because I got to tell you this story. I'm going to let Zach give his thoughts on it, too. Obviously, because it happened to him. So as you guys know, I get off when I get off work, I go pick Zach up at his house because he doesn't have a car still. And he doesn't have a driver's license for still doesn't have that. So I go and I pick him up. I take him to my house. Well, sometimes on the way to the house, we stop at a gas station, usually because he needs his cigarettes or he needs his alcohol and he needs to do all those stuff. Although he tries to cut back on it now because A, he can't afford it, shocker, and B, because he's just too fuck 
ridiculous on alcohol. We've talked about it before. We ain't gonna dive into it here. On this particular day, we also go because I actually needed gas. I actually needed to put gas in the car. Also, I wanted to grab some food because sometimes when I get, mostly every day when I get off work, I am starving. And it's usually because I don't really eat much in the morning. Sometimes at work, I'll have snacks in a bag, but I haven't really stocked up on snacks lately because I figured what's the point? I'm just gonna end up eating again when I get off work anyway. So I might as well just fast for most of the day and then chow down later at night. Some people might think it's a bad idea. So far, it's working out pretty good for me. Anyway, so we get to the gas station and usually I'm a fan of Quick Trip, but lately I've been going to Racetrack because I love their cheeseburgers. Love them, love them. They are so delicious. So anyway, we get there and Zach wants to get his his beer, but he's getting one. He's trying to behave himself. He gets one, gets himself a, a tall beer. So we go and we go up to the counter. Now the plan was Zach was gonna pay for all the drinks and the food and I was gonna pay for the gas. I would have preferred he pay for the gas, but he couldn't take care of it. Cause like I said, he's broke. So we go over there. So I'm taking care of the gas and all that, but we get over there and we get up to the counter and Zach puts his beer down on the counter. So naturally, what does the guy at the counter do? He asks for ID. Zach shows his ID and the gentleman says, your ID is expired, therefore you cannot purchase the alcohol. So I pull out my driver's license, which is not expired. Won't expire for another six years. I'm good till about 2028. We hand over, I hand over the, the ID and he says, I can't serve the alcohol period because Zach brought it up to the front counter. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the Boochcast Nation, You've known me for a long time. You know my story. You know my history. You know what the fuck I've been through. In fact, there's some things you don't even know that I've been through because I've kept some of them to myself. And maybe someday I'll reveal them to the public when I'm ready. But for the most part, I've been an open book and you know a lot about me. You know that for 13 years of my life, I was a slave to retail. 10 years at Home Depot, three years at Lowe's, 13 years of my life. And because I spent 13 years of my life in that hellhole known as retail, known as customer service, you know that I have the deepest sympathies and the deepest admiration for essential workers, whether they be cashiers, whether they be servers, whether they be attendants, flight or bathroom, you know I have all the love for them. I believe they deserve to be paid properly. I understand their reasoning for not wanting to go back to that hellhole. And I am one of those people that if you bitch and complain about not enough people working, there are some cases where I believe people should get off their ass and go to fucking work. But I also have sympathy for why the people who were essential have the option to not go back and don't want to go back because I pray to God I never have to go back. That being said, I want someone to explain to me logically how having an expired ID can prevent you from getting a drink even though you are over the age of 21 because your ID might expire. But as I mentioned before, ladies and gentlemen, your age does not expire. ID or no ID, you're still a grown-up. Zach is still 35, going on 36, even though his ID is expired. Now, I have a driver's license. If that some bitch expires, the only thing I shouldn't be allowed to do is drive. If I drive on an expired license, okay. I can understand getting in trouble. I might think it sucks. I might pray to God the cop lets me off easy. But I should not be allowed to drive. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm 35 years old. I am legally allowed by law to drink, to smoke, to do a lot of fucking things. And here's the thing. 
I'm not even a drinker, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't even think Zach should be drinking. But that's beside the point. He should be allowed to get a fucking drink. Because like I said before, his ID might have expired, but he is still a 36-year-old man. Well, technically he's 35, he'll be 36 in January and July. But you get my fucking point. This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life, and no one's been able to give me a logical answer for it. And if your only answer is, well, the ID was expired, that's not fucking logical. Yes, the ID expired, but his birth date is still the fucking same. Even if he went and got a new ID, his birth date would still be the same. Plus, if you look at this guy, you can tell he's 35 going on 36. You know he's not 15. He acts like he's 15, but he's not fucking 15. That being said, Zach, share your thoughts. I know it's ridiculous and it is my responsibility to go get my ID fixed and everything else in my life, but still I find that absolutely dumb and idiotic. So otherwise than that, we're gonna move on to something, folks, that happened today to a very, very funny man, rest in peace, to the guy who was Aflac, and of course to the big Ignatius Redbird on Aladdin as Iago, I can never say his name, Gilbert Gottfried. He finally gets it right. Has passed away at the age of 67 due to a long illness. Another one bites the dust. This sucks. And Vinny, I know how much you like this guy. Go ahead. I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. We're never going to get a hold of that stupid lamp. Just forget it. Look at this. Look at it. I'm so freaked out that I'm molting. <laughs> Can you tell I was a big fan of Aladdin? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> You know what's funny? You know what's hilarious? <laughs> what? All the years I've been a fan of Aladdin, all the years I've loved that movie, and all the years I've supported it. That's my first time attempting a, an Iago impression. I've only done the genie. That's it. I've never done Iago. That was my first time attempting to do this impression. Although it's a very easy one to do. That's not safe. I'll tell you what's not safe. This fucking crazy shit that I died from. Can you believe I have done so much crazy things. I've done so many crazy whores. And yet, some mysterious illness that even my family doesn't know is what put me in the grave. By the way, I'm a huge Gilbert Gottfried fan. This is all meant to be for entertainment. Please do not get butthurt. Or sue. Well, they can't sue me. Yeah, you don't have anything, do you? Well, that, that, well it's not just that. But <laughs> minus that. <laughs> minus that. Still, it makes no, no sense. But anyway, uh, yes, Gilbert Gottfried, comedian and Aladdin star, dies at 67. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried, the comedian Aladdin star, and owner of the most recognizable voice in Hollywood, as I just demonstrated, has died after battling a long illness. His family announced Tuesday he was... 67 so this was at the time that we're recording this this came out today his publicist told the washington post that he died of myotonic dystrophy type 2 which is a form of muscular dystrophy um we are heartbroken to announce the passing of our beloved gilbert godfrey after a long illness in addition to being the most iconic voice in comedy gilbert was a wonderful husband brother friend and father to his two young children although today is a sad day for all of us please keep laughing as loud as possible in gilbert's honor his family wrote on Twitter. Many people in Hollywood, including comedians Jason Alexander, Dane Cook, and more, paid tribute to Godfrey after the shocking news of his death. Gilbert Godfrey was never not funny, wrote Cook. He was a lovely guy, always friendly, and made many people happy. 
Godfrey was known for his crude humor, political incorrectness, and shrill voice, which helped give life to a number of animated characters such as Iago the Parrot in Disney's Aladdin, the robotic bird Digit in PBS Kids' Cyber Chase, and the Aflac Duck in commercials for the insurance company. He was born in Brooklyn, New York on February 28, 1955, and started performing stand-up comedy at just 15. Godfrey had a short 12-episode stint on Saturday Night Live during season 6 in 1980. And he reunited with his SNL colleague, Eddie Murphy, on Beverly Hills Cop 2, one of his first major film roles. Howard Stern frequently invited Godfrey on his radio show in the 80s, where he impersonated people like Andrew Dice Clay, Groucho Marx, and Bella Lugosi as Dracula. By the 90s, Godfrey landed roles in films like The Problem Child Movies, Highway to Hell, and Look Who's Talking Too, before landing his most recognizable voice role as Iago the Parrot in 1992's Aladdin. Iago was the annoying but funny comic relief who accompanied the villain Jafar, and Godfrey reprised the role in two direct-to-video sequels, a TV series, and the Kingdom Hearts video games. His other major voice roles included Krang Supreme in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I didn't know that, Mr. Uh, MXYZPTLK, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to pronounce this fucking thing, <laughs> in <laughs> Superman the Animated Series, he was Dr. Bender and his son Wendell and the Fairly Odd Parents, I remember that, <laughs> plus SpongeBob SquarePants, The Ren and Stimpy Show, Duckman, Disney's House of Mouse, and countless more. In the 2000s and 2010s, Godfrey became a regular on celebrity roasts and game shows. He appeared in the Comedy Central roasts of Bob Saget, Joan Rivers, David Hasselhoff, Donald Trump, and Roseanne Barr, plus game shows like Hollywood Squares and Pyramid. His edgy and crude humor, however, got him into trouble on several occasions. Three weeks after the September 11 terrorist attacks, Godfrey joked that he couldn't catch a direct flight from New York to California because they said they had to stop at the Empire State Building first. The crowd gasped and decreed too soon, but Godfrey was able to win the audience over and quickly made headlines by telling one of the first 9-11 jokes. Live at the 1991 Emmy Awards, Godfrey made several masturbation jokes about Paul Rubin's recent arrest for masturbating in an adult movie theater, which resulted in Godfrey getting blacklisted by producers. The comedian also lost his job of voicing the Aflac duck after tweeting jokes about the 2011 uh, Tohoku Japanese earthquake disaster, which was the fourth most powerful earthquake to ever hit Japan. Director Neil Berkeley created a documentary called Gilbert about the comedian's career and personal life in 2017. In his review for Variety, film critic Owen Gleiberman wrote, Godfrey displays no regrets. He has the courage of, an, of his abrasive conviction. The most offensive joke we see him tell is one in which he compares his own daughter to Mackenzie Phillips. But if the joke on some level is indefensible, he's, it's really one designed to mock his own insecurities. He is full of fear, but fearless. He's just kidding, but totally means it. He's a man who puts on his entire stand-up personality like a mothballed old suit, but once he's in character, he is never more himself. You may or may not walk away from Gilbert, a Gilbert Godfrey fan, but either way, the movie makes you glad he exists. Godfrey is survived by his wife, Dara Kravitz, and his two children, Lily and Max. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't know he made all those offensive jokes, but 
the days where people have a stick up their ass and can't take a joke. But him as Iago and the uh, in the problem child, of course, the problem child had to be a redhead. Is um, shut up. Didn't say anything. <laughs> you said it, not me. I can see you fucking laughing. But rest in peace to Gilbert. It sucks. As soon as I saw that, I knew you knew. But rest in peace there, sir. You're looking down, and you are a very, very funny man. But you'll always be Iago from uh, Aladdin. Yeah. And, uh, of course. Courtesy of the Pretty Boy Trekkie. Hmm, I wonder who that is. Yeah, well, the thing is, yeah, and he, and he did that joke about the the earthquake disaster, and that's how he lost his job doing that. But I didn't know that he got blacklisted by making masturbation jokes about Pee Wee Herman, which... He did that to himself. I hate to say it. He did that to himself. I mean, here's the thing, though. It, it depends. I haven't actually heard... Now, obviously, I haven't heard this because I was not familiar with it, but I, so at some point, I'll go back and listen. Maybe I'll do an update on this on a later show. But the thing is, depending on how he told the jokes should determine whether or not I got blacklisted. Now, if he's out there saying, you know, you know, Pee Wee Herman was jacking his cock in a theater. He was grabbing his dick and he was stroking it up and down like a fierce fireman or something like that. <laughs> now, if he was doing something like that to that extent, okay. But if he was just, but if he was doing them in a tasteful TV appropriate manner, like, you know, Pee-wee played with his Pee-wee. Like, that's not, that's not, you know, that horrible. So it depends on ultimately how he did the joke that I could understand being blacklisted. But would I blacklist him personally? Fuck no, because I don't, I, I'm not that type of person. But I'm saying I can look at it from two different points of view. Now, as far as the 9-11 thing, um, he did that shit three weeks after the attack. That's fucking ballsy. Now, I will say this. I don't think the joke is that bad. But here's the thing. I know how sensitive people were during 9-11. Believe me, I know. I was, I lived in New Jersey when this happened. It was an emotional time for everyone. So I can understand the crowd not really getting into it, but it's comedy. Obviously, Gilbert Gottfried did not deserve to get in trouble for that joke. Now, if the crowd didn't like it, the crowd didn't like it. Now, if he did that joke in New York, I would say that's not a smart move to make. If he did it in California, fuck him. Grow up. Okay, yes, 9-11 was a terrible time for the country, but if you lived in California, you weren't feeling the pain the way the tri-state area was feeling the pain. You really weren't. That's what I tell people all the time. Like, you know, 9-11 might have scared you, but you weren't more scared than the people who were at who were there in New York, in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in that tri-state area, and had friends and family members and loved ones who died in that in those buildings and were there. And trust me, that's why I know passions were very high. Like I said this, um, because I remember uh this year, I remember hanging out with uh, my nephew and uh, his mom was teaching him about 9-11 for the first time and explaining why this is an important part in America. Now, I was able to talk to him about it because A, not just I was there, but I had a point of reference because the night before, he asked me to read him a bedtime story and I read him Captain America because his favorite superhero is Captain America. He loves Captain America. And granted, he is the first person in the history of ever to ever tell me that his favorite superhero is Captain America. I don't know anybody that was a fan of Captain America when I was a kid. 
You were? You can yes, I was. I was a fan of America because Marvel's awesome, Benny. I'm aware. So so we were teaching that, and, I, and at one point in the, in the book, they were talking about Pearl Harbor. So I explained to him what Pearl Harbor was the night before. So I used that as a point of reference to explain to him. I said, this is the best way I can explain it because he, he was trying to understand. I said, do you remember last night when we talked about Pearl Harbor? He goes, yeah. I said, 9-11 was our Pearl Harbor. That's the best way to describe it. Like, like for example, like we like, like people our age, we hear about Pearl Harbor and you go, man, that sucked. Like, obviously, with a terrible time, but we don't have that same emotion that our parents or grandparents, I should say, felt when that happened. Like, our grandparents, if they lived in this country, my, my parents didn't. They were still in Italy. Um, but if you had grandparents that lived in America when that was happening, they know how fucked up all this shit was and how crazy it was and how emotional that time period was. Well, 9-11, that was us. Like, they're going to be kids that look at 9-11 and they're not going to have that same emotion. They're going to look at it like the way we look at Pearl Harbor. Like, man, that sucked. Hopefully they say that sucked. Because if they say anything other than that, they get my fist in their mouth. Just making that clear. But, so it was very ballsy of him. But I will say, that was a harmless joke. Like, you know, I couldn't catch a direct flight because they had to stop at the Empire State Building first. That's, that's a light one. You know, I thought that was pretty funny. I don't know, Zach, what do you think? Was that was that really that bad a joke? Be I would have said it three weeks after September 11th, but maybe about a year or two, I wouldn't have done that. Sorry, no offense. Yeah, so it's not a bad joke, but it, it should have been done three weeks after is what you're saying. Pretty much, yeah. I was like, eh, you should have waited because yeah, that was not a good time for us in America. It wasn't, but again, I... Everybody knows, anybody that knows Gilbert Goffrey knows he's not a bad person. Um, in fact, it, was, it wasn't until I got older that I found out he was a stand-up, and I loved his stand-up. He was really good. He, got, he had, like, two half-hour HBO specials. He had a DVD he came out with. I actually saw him live at the Punchline. Oh, he did? Yes. How good is he? So good. Like, his, his bits are, like, some of them are, like, what the fuck? Some of them are crazy. Like, he tells, like, the dirty jokes a lot. Like, he did. <laughs> like, he said, like, he says, a man goes to the doctor. He goes to the doctor. He says, doc, I can't tell if my wife has TB or VD. And he says, when you get home, chase her around the couch. If she coughs, fuck her. <laughs> Okay, yeah, there we go. And he, and, he, and he gets crazier. He goes like, you know, he's like, and then he goes, three men are on a business trip. They're driving along and they get tired. They see this big house that they come across. And they said, we'd like to stay for the night. They said, well, we only have one bedroom, so you all will have to share. And then the three guys, they have to share one bed. So they sleep in the bed and they wake up the next day and the guy on the left side of the bed says, whoa, you guys aren't going to believe this. I had a dream last night that I was getting a hand job. And the guy on the right side of the bed says, what a coincidence. I also had a dream that I was getting a hand job. And the guy in the middle said, that's odd. I had a dream I was skiing. <laughs> okay. I could not stop laughing. That's my favorite out of all of them. That was my fucking favorite. No, 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 no. That was my second favorite. Here's my first favorite. You might have, I, I've told this joke before because I love it. Not on stage, not on stage, but I've told this around friends. This is, this is my favorite one he did. He goes, you, and Zach, you might have even heard this one. What? He goes, oh man, 
walks into the bank. He goes up to the bank teller. The teller says, can I help you? He says, yeah, I'd like to open a fucking bank account. And he goes, what did you say? He goes, I said I want to open a fucking bank account. He says, you better watch your language or I'm going to get the manager. He goes, that's okay. You can get the manager. I'm here to open a fucking bank account. So he gets the manager. The manager comes over. He looks at him and says, what seems to be the problem, sir? He goes, I'll tell you what the problem is. I came here to open a fucking bank account for $800,000. And the manager says, Oh, and is this cunt giving you a hard time? <laughs> now, when I told the joke, I changed it to bitch, because I know cunts can be uncomfortable, but the original joke was this cunt giving you a hard time. That, those are my two favorites from Gilbert when he did that. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, my God. So then, And then here's the funny part. This is the craziest part. And if you've heard him on Howard Stern or if you meet him in person... I got in line, I got a picture with him. I pray to God this one's saved on my phone somewhere. I know it. If it's not, I'm going to be fucking pissed. I still can't find my Scott Hall picture. What are you going to do, break your phone? No, I need that fucking thing. I'm going to break, I'm, I'm going to kick a hole in the wall or something. Fuck that. I can replace a hole in the wall. I can't replace that goddamn phone. Yeah, there you go. I need the phone. I learned the hard way I need this phone. But my thing is, when you talk to, when you meet Gilbert in person, his voice is totally different. It's the equivalent to meeting Gator for the first time. I know people are going to think it's weird. Vinny, are you really putting Gator in the same category as Gilbert Gottfried? Not even fucking close. Comedically, they're not even fucking close. But this is the only comparison I can make. When Gator first came on this show, four years ago, I believe it was, and he was on the show, he literally would go out there and be like, Howdy, everybody, this is Gator Ricky Roush. I'm excited to be here. Howdy, Mr. Bucciarelli. I'm excited to do the show. Are you excited to do the show? Very much so. I'm excited to do the show. That's right. We're going to get rid of the shitty and we're going to move on. That's what the fuck we going to do on the show. And I would, and I got a lot of my jokes. A lot of my jokes. You know, Mr. Bucciarelli, Mr. Bucciarelli, yes. You know, you know, my relationships are a lot like algebra. I keep looking at my ex and wondering why. So... <laughs> So that was the Gator voice that we all recognize. Then one day, we hang up the phone. We called Gator. He messaged on Facebook. Totally different voice. <laughs> like a complete 180. Richard sounds different than Gator. You guys know if you've listened to Breaking Kayfabe, you know there's a different voice. Or sometimes Gator just comes out of his voice and talks as Richard sometimes to give like teachable moments or to break character. He's done it. When you talk to Gilbert Gottfried, and he's not on stage, he's not performing, you're just there shaking his hand, getting a picture. Totally different voice. That's not his original voice. He has a much calmer demeanor. He's a lot more, like, relaxed and zen, I should say. Like, he's very, very calm when you yeah. talk to him. Like, I don't want to say submissive, because he's not, because that, that's not the term. But okay. he's just very calm and soothing. It's when he gets on stage that he says, I got something to say. That, that's all stage. When he's off stage, totally calm, totally reserved, great guy. You hear a little bit of it in him, but you can tell it's not his real voice. Dude, I blew my fucking mind when I saw that. And I was at the punchline. That blew my fucking mind, bro, that he did that. It was amazing to see Gilbert on stage and to see him do all that. And by the way, as I mentioned before, and I'll say it again. This is my first time attempting a Gilbert Gottfried impression. I hope I did it justice, and I apologize in advance if I did not. 
Hey. You're a dick. You know that? You're just you're a dick. You're a dick. You're a, you're, you're just a fucking dick. You really are. Like that. There's no nice way to say that. You are an insensitive dick. So anyway. Why? Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate the compliment. So, what else we got on the list? Anything else <laughs> um, you want to talk about today? Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, shooting on the subway train in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, which is uh, since he was born in Brooklyn, that is naturally the uh, the transition we want to make. Uh, Zach, I believe you have the article because for some reason he can't transfer it from the phone to Messenger, which is why I still maintain I love iPhone. Praise Apple. So anyway, uh, iPhone sucks. All right, it happened. Uh, all right, it happened at 8:30 in the morning on April 12th today, 2022. It happened at the 36th Street station, and uh, da, 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 da. no dash, only 29, and it's an unidentified, unidentified. Hear me out, folks. A black male. That's what they said. Okay. All right, because we have to do that now in the cancer in the cancer culture world, but that's not the point. But it's a suspect. He's five foot five, which basically means he's a short little fucker. He weighs about 175 to 180 pounds, wearing a gas mask, an MTA uniform, and a gray hooded sweatshirt, a green vest, and a backpack. He fled the scene. He also was using a U-Haul truck with Arizona place. He never gave me his airport plane. So, New York, if you see a U, big U-Haul truck with Arizona plates, call the law or do a video that I do. Hey, that was the guy who shot, who shot those people on the subway. Okay, we're running away. But hopefully, I'm going to let Benny take over here. They catch this guy soon. Dude, and the gun jam. Dude, you suck. You you shot 29 people. You didn't kill one. So what's the motive? Hmm. You can't blame Trump because he's not in office. Nope. You can't do that. They're going to try to. Watch them try. Watch them try. Anybody who's a diehard Trump hater, they're going to find some way to tie this back to him. They're going to find a way. Because people who hate Trump, they find all kinds of ways. But anyway, what I want to say is, first of all, I love how Zach is telling people, you know, to, you know, look out for the U-Haul truck. Even though by the time this thing comes out, that U-Haul truck's going to be long gone. So I love that uh, Zach doesn't understand that even though we're recording this today, it ain't coming out for weeks. So uh, thank you for that, Zach. Appreciate it. Um, glad we're able to, glad they're going to keep, but yeah, still. I don't know how long the guy's going to be gone. By the time they come out, they may catch the fucking guy. So uh, hopefully you found the U-Haul truck is what we should say. But um, yeah, obviously this is a fucked up situation. I got nervous when I heard there was a shooting in Brooklyn. I was like, wait a minute, it was on the train? That's the thing I was trying to figure out. Was it on the train or on the platform? But it, looked, it sounds like it was on the train, right? I think so. It was on the train. They haven't waited up the full details yet. We'll probably have to wait for a couple more hours to they give us the full potential. All right. So uh, hopefully by then we'll know if it was on the train or not. But that was either way, it's fucked up, obviously. And the guy was wearing a gas mask. Like, they said... How do you know he was black? That's the question we want to figure out. Like, how do you know? Like, was he not wearing gloves and you saw black-skinned hands? Like, I don't know how else you could tell unless... Because obviously if he's wearing a gas mask... He's got to have something on there to, like... Obviously, he's got some kind of long sleeve shirt on or something to, like, help keep it in. Because if he's just... Because if he's shirtless with a gas mask on, he just looks dumb. Like, if I'm... If I'm... Obviously, I'm, obviously I would never do anything crazy like this. But if I would, I'm hiding any feature on me that can get me to be identified by skin color. Because I'll be honest, and Zach will back me up on this. When we were in the car, and he was explaining this to me on the car ride there... 
I immediately thought he was white. I immediately he thought he was white. And I thought he was somebody else, but I'm not going to say what it was. Yeah, but um, yeah. So we're gonna. But I thought he was white, and the reason I thought he was white was because I'm thinking, okay, he's got a gas mask on. He throws in like some kind of tear gas or mustard gas into the place before coming in with a gun and shooting everybody. This just sounds like a white person strategy, because usually, if, if I'm not saying obviously that black people don't shoot people, because they do. Every every race is guilty of shooting somebody at some point. But usually, when black people shoot, it's they walk into a place, they have their gun, and they shoot. They don't plan to throw mustard gas or buy gas masks. It's usually they're gonna rob somebody or shoot somebody. It's like you got your nine, I got my nine. What you got? I got a forty-five. Well, shit, let's go. And that's it. That's all the planning that goes into it. White people are the only ones that when they shoot people, they plan shit out. They got the AK-47, the WKFF with the laser scope. We're going in. We need body armor because, God damn it, we're getting out alive. <laughs> they fucking, they, they come strapped, like, ultimately strapped, like, strapped with every fucking thing. So this just screamed white people to me. And, I, and that's not, again, that's not me being biased. It's not even me being a liberal. That's not me being afraid to say it was a black guy. It could be a black guy. And if it ends up being a black guy, then we can't say shit about it. But it says, unidentified black male. I'm just intrigued to find out how they knew he was black. Do they know for a fact? Are they being racist and assuming it's a black person? Because I'm just saying all this screams white people. Uh, I agree with you, sir. Yeah, it does scream white people, but the question is, is why he did it. Like I said before, you can't blame Trump. You can't. Nope. And I'm going to say this right now. I don't even think you can blame mental illness. No. I this was way too fucking planned out planned to be out. mental illness. And I want to know if you are mentally ill, why a train? And it scared the shit out of me because... Thankfully, my friend Alex, she lives in Jer she moved back to Jersey. She lives in Jersey now. Cuz she used to live in Brooklyn and she took the subway everywhere. And I know cuz the two times I visited her in Brooklyn, I had to take the subway to see her. So I know how the I know a little bit how the subway works. Some of it I learned the hard way. I learned a valuable lesson in New York on the subway. And here's the lesson. What? Don't get fucking drunk on the subway. <laughs> Don't. Under any circumstances, if you ride the subway, be sober. Especially if you're a tourist like I was. See, I know Marta in the back of my hand. I could be drunk as fuck on the Marta. I'll know how to get home. On the subway, I have no fucking idea. Like, it, it, like, like Marta ain't got shit on the subway. Because Marta's got up, down, side to side, little detour here. Subway, you take a wrong turn, you end up in a whole fucking other section of New York. You, you think you're going to Brooklyn, you end up in fucking Queens. <laughs> you think you're on the D train. Oh, I'll get off here at this Brooklyn stop. It's like, no, there's Bay Ridge and there's Coney Island. And you're dumb enough to think, oh, I can walk it. No, you can't. <laughs> I thought I could walk it. Why? Because I was wasted. Why was I wasted? Because I was hanging out with New York comics and they bought me beer. And it's like the mafia. Comedian offers you a beer, you take the beer. So my dumb ass got lost. But that's another story for another day. So I got scared. Like, if Alex was still living in Brooklyn, I would have had to call her the second Zach told me that. My first thing, call Alex on the phone. I'd have called her up and said, are you okay? What just happened? Are you alive? I'm scared as fuck right now. I would have to hear her say, I'm alive and I'm okay. The only reason I'm not worried about it is because now she lives in Jersey. She doesn't go back to New York because she left Brooklyn after COVID hit. So she got the fuck out of Brooklyn. Got the fuck out of New York. So, But I will say this. Anybody that... You know, was seriously injured in there. We want to say on behalf of the Boochcast, our condolences go out to uh, anybody that was hurt 
any and you know to their families and everything we hope everybody's okay and we hope that this person like i said the time that we're recording this this just fucking happened today Literally, so, as soon as I got into the cars, like there was the, the death of uh, who we talked about, and all of a sudden, there's a shooting in Brooklyn. He goes, Wait, what? I was like, Yeah, why do you know any people? You didn't kill one. No offense, did. And at last, he shot. Exactly. But anyway, like I said, our our condolences and our thoughts and prayers go out to, uh, you know, any of the victims and their families and everything. We hope, we hope this son of a bitch gets caught. And whether he's an unidentified black man, white man, Mexican, Muslim, Asian, whatever the fuck his nationality is, we hope he gets caught and we hope he's brought to justice. Very, very true, sir. All right, moving on to... <laughs> Sometimes hilarious at a Walmart in Florida. <laughs> you hear that? A Walmart in Florida. Wait, 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 wait. Let's wait. say that again. A Walmart. A Walmart. In Florida. In Florida. Before we even continue, you already know fucked up shit's fitting to happen. It's yep. a Walmart in Florida. Yep. Here's the thing. What? This is definitely white people. Yep. This is white <laughs> this people. This is definitely white people. Yes, it Walmart is. Walmart. Florida, this is white people. This is the part that makes white people look bad. But oh, anyways, yes, this is definitely white people. Anyways, Denny, can I take this one, sir? Take, take, take. Oh, take, should take, I take, 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 you. If originally people, have you seen, seen on Facebook about a woman named Brandy. Yeah, I'm trying to remember my name. Was in a Walmart high off methamphetamines. She was holding a brick and holding a knife. And the cops come in there doing their job and everything else. And this cop was like, put it down, put it down, put it down. She did it. He warned her several times, like a million times. And then thankfully, his partner distracted. He took it out, took out his, he heard him coming, grunt. He goes, and just takes it out and just stays her. She falls like a bag of potatoes. Now, most people, oh, back then, was she hot? Vinny? No. No, she was? Fugly. Would you put a bag over her head or would you rather go jerk off? I would put a bag over her head and then jerk off. Ooh, burn. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, do this disclaimer. What are you about to hear is no offense to the police department in Florida, wherever the hell they're at. So God may have mercy on your soul. Danny? All right, look, before I get into this, let me just say one thing here on the Boochcast. You've heard me talk about incidences involving police officers in the future and one thing about me that has always been consistent whether you like it or you don't is this i look at everything case by case when all the black lives matter stuff was happening and all those people were getting shot everybody tried to group them together into one thing to form a cause and put their names on t-shirts I looked at everything case by case by case, and I arrived at conclusions of, okay, this guy was murdered, this guy was murdered, this guy was a jackass, this guy was a jackass, this woman was innocent. That's what I looked at, okay? And just to be clear, if you want to know what I'm talking about, I'll clarify it right now before I get into this. Ahmaud Arbery was murdered. George Floyd was murdered. Breonna Taylor was definitely murdered, and there was a lot of weird circumstances surrounding that case. Richard Brooks was a dumbass. Jacob Blake was a dumbass. That's where I stand. I looked at everything case by case by case by case. Now, if any of you disagree with me and you like to have a productive chat about this, message us on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the Boochcast is there. Feel free to talk with us. We will happily, happily have a discussion with you, provided that you are rational and not rude. That being said, this 
looked bad on so many levels because I, all I kept thinking was when this guy's sitting there and he's saying 50 times, drop the knife, drop the knife, drop the knife, and he's just pointing the gun at her. I know for a fact there were some people out there going that, you know, this is white people shit. If she was black, they would have shot her already. I know I, that's all I'm thinking in that moment is if she was black, would she have gotten shot and they just said point it down? Here's the thing. I don't know the honest answer to that question, but I do know this. The fact that he didn't pull the trigger at all made it look that way. Because first of all, here's my stance on the whole damn thing. If you're pointing a gun at somebody and you're telling them to drop the weapon and they're not dropping the weapon at this point, you're no different than a countdown mom that's afraid to count to three. That's literally what it's like. And you've seen them in stores where it's like, Tyler, Tyler, put back the candy. Put back the candy, Tyler. Tyler, I already told you we're not going to have any candy. Tyler, don't make me count to three. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Tyler, put the candy away. See, the, it's like the parent that's afraid to go to three. Because you know, you know, if you count to three and you don't smack that kid in the next week, that kid now knows that you as a parent are a pussy. And they're going to walk all over you until you grow old and die. That's not an insult. That is the fact of life. It, here's this, I have a rule. If I'm pointing a gun at somebody, cop or not, if I point a gun at you and I warn you to stop doing something, I have a limit. It's three. Just like baseball, three strikes, you're out. You get three tries to drop the weapon. If, if by the third time you ain't dropped the weapon, guess what I'm doing? Mm. I'm shooting you in the leg. Leg. I'm not going to kill you, but I am going to shoot you in the leg, which I thought I was under the impression that was perfectly legal to do. You shoot them in the leg. That way they don't die, but they go down and they can't move because they got a bullet in their leg. And then you run over and subdue them. And they try to swing it. Now, at that point, she's on the ground and she's trying to swing at you. Then you can take the knife, rip it out of her hand, hand-to-hand combat, whatever you got to do. I'm not saying you have to kill her, but you could have shot her in the leg. And here's the funny part. Backup finally shows up. What does he do? He puts the gun away. He pulls out the taser and shoots. First of all... Why didn't you just lead with the taser? If you weren't going to use the gun, don't pull the gun unless you're going to fucking use it. That's a cardinal rule with a weapon. You don't aim a gun at somebody that you don't intend to shoot or kill. So already, he looks dumb, in my opinion. Because clearly, after the fifth or sixth time he said, drop the knife, she's clearly not scared of him. And at that point, I wouldn't be surprised if she started dancing around or doing the trademark thing that... Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, you the ring where they go, ooh, and wave the fingers. Ooh, I'm shaking. I'm so scared. The little Popo's going to shoot me with his whittle gun. I would have been doing that. Because if I know you're not going to shoot me, I'm going to taunt your fucking ass. She just fucking stood there. And here's the thing. She could have ran. You know why? Because if she runs in a department store like Walmart, obviously the cop's not going to try to shoot you then because he might accidentally shoot an innocent customer. He was right there in front of him with nobody around. Unless he is the worst shot in the world, in which case he should have never graduated from the police academy, he could easily put a bullet in that bitch's leg. Easily. When someone is a danger and a threat to others, there is no reason why he can't open fire with that gun. And again, I am not saying to kill her. 
but shoot her in the leg because that subdues the person. Now, now that I got that out of the way and I got that, I, 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 I got to bring some comedy into this because I'm a comedian. Zach, hmm. that moment when he took the gun away yeah. and pulled out the taser, did it not look like a first person shooter game? Yeah, yeah. I reminded, about that. <laughs> It looked like GoldenEye when you like switch from the PPK yeah, to the AK-47. First-person shooter game still to this day. Just go like, click, click, click. Oh, here we go. At least he did a shooter. Brady, whatever your name is, I got one word for you. Well, two words. Dumb ass. Now, Vinny, say you're in a situation and a cop puts a gun on you and said, hands up. What the fuck are you going to do? My hands are going up. I'm like, hmm? the, the, <laughs> you have a gun, you win. Okay? All right, here's, this is the only thing I would have done. I would have done one of two things. If, I was, if I'm standing where exactly where she's standing in that moment, one of two things going to happen. Either I'm dropping the knife and I'm putting my hands up or I'm going to run in that aisle because he ain't going to be able to shoot me. You got two choices. You either drop the weapon or run and hope to God there aren't cops standing by the exit door waiting to tackle you. Those are your options with a gun. You either have to drop your weapon and surrender or duck and run for cover. Pretty much. Because you can't outrun a bullet, but if someone's shooting at you and you go through the aisle like that, they would have to come around that aisle to shoot you and you can zigzag. Yeah. You can find a way to outrun a bullet if you got stuff that you can hide behind. But if you can't hide behind nothing, you're fucked. Don't act like me and think you can dodge a bullet. <laughs> yeah. I, or be like Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ultimate yoga master is not that fucking flexible. No, I'm like, okay, there's a gun, there's a gun. Vinny, what are we going to do? We're going to take off running. Bye. God, I'm saying, if we have stupid. The, it's stupid. It's the dumbest shit ever. And the but I'm saying, she's dumb and the cop is dumber. Because he's just sitting there going like, drop it, drop it. He might as well just say, Come on, lady, please drop it. Don't make me look stupid on this body cam. And he looks stupid. He's just sitting there going, drop, 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 drop. Let the beat drop. <laughs> you know what? I think we can wrap it up right there. <laughs> Pretty much. All okay, right. okay, okay. What's the, what's the next topic we got? Moving on. Uh, a while ago, as many as you know, the Hall of Famer Sonny was involved with the car crash that ends up killing somebody. Yeah, uh, Zach, I'll take this one. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer manager... Uh, Tamara Lynn Sitch, known as Sonny in Wrestling, is being investigated in connection to a fatal vehicle crash in Florida. Sitch, 49, was driving a 2012 Mercedes southbound on US-1 around 8.30 p.m. on March 25th. According to Ormond Beach Police, when they say she hit a 2013 Kia Sorento driven by Julian Lasetter, who was 75, which was stopped at a traffic light. The impact sent the Kia into the rear of a 2011 GMC Yukon, which was stopped in front of the Kia at the light. Lasseter died after the Mercedes hit his car. The passengers in the third car were injured, but did not go to the hospital, the report said. Our hearts go out to the Lasseter family that lost their loved ones in such a tragic event. Ormond Beach Police Chief Jesse Godfrey said in a written statement, Our goal at the Ormond Beach Police Department is to keep city roadways safe. So if you see a vehicle operating in a manner that leads you to believe the driver may be impaired, please don't hesitate to call 911. You may just save someone's life. Sitch was transported to the hospital, treated and released. According to the report, blood samples were taken from Sitch. As many people know, uh, Sonny has had a problem with drugs and alcohol, but as far as we can tell right now, there's 
No proof of that yet until it's been proved you were under the influence of something. You killed somebody. Sonny, if you did that, shame on you. And if not, looks like this is one horrible accident. But still to this day, she can still get in trouble. Well, that's yeah, that's the issue. Because right now it looks like she was under the influence. But if it turns out the brakes were faulty, then she's not a bad person. But And here's the thing. Sonny should never have been allowed to drive a car. She doesn't even have a driver's license. And she's had at least seven DUIs. And literally... Seven? Seven. Hey. And I've heard rumors that she has a boyfriend and that she was driving his boyfriend's car. Which the boyfriend's a piece of shit if he did that. Why would you let somebody who clearly is not allowed to drive be able to drive? And just to be clear, I know there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to listen to me right now and think I'm a hypocrite. Because obviously last year, Buff Bagwell, my, my client... Mm -hmm. my, my best friend, one of my best friends, was arrested for, you know, certain amount of, a large amount of charges that some of them were from, you know, 10 months ago that just added up to what happened recently. And some people were saying, well, how can I say that Sonny is a terrible person or is in deep shit when Buff got in an accident? Well, here's the answer. Buff has not had the best luck driving a car. He has been pulled over for DUIs in the past. But here's the issue. Number one... Buff never killed anyone. And the one time he did get into an accident with somebody, it was a minor fender bender. But because of the previous charges that he had, because he hadn't gone to court for them yet, that's what got him arrested. I can see that, And you, yeah. and you can look that. all this up on the Cobb County side, so it's not like I'm revealing any secrets here. No, you're not. I'm, I but, even know this, too. But here's the other thing. The DUIs that he got, yeah. none of them were for alcohol. Oh, okay. They were all somas, because he was dealing with a soma addiction at the time of the arrest. Obviously, since he's moved in with Dallas, he's been off the shit, and he's getting clean, he's getting better, and he's getting help. But even when Buff got into his horrific car wreck, he crashed into a stationary Marta bathroom. That's what caused his car wreck. And and I know at one point, they claimed he was in a hit and run, and it wasn't a hit and run. Because when he hit the car, the guy pulled, the guy, the guy flashed his lights, Buff pulled over, claimed he hit him, and now when he's looking like, where, where did I hit you? And he didn't even see anything. Which is not a hit and run. So I don't even know where that hit and run charge came from. That's the only charge on there, to my knowledge, that's a complete crock of shit. The rest of them, Buff has owned up to. So that's the difference. I can see that. That is a definitely a huge difference. Buff never got anybody killed. And even though he's made mistakes, he's smarter than that. That's true. He is. So that's the difference. That is a very, very big difference. Okay, 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 okay. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Vinny? Speaking of buff, I got a couple stories I want to talk about here. Okay. Uh, and I, now, if you saw the, a post that I made on Instagram a while back, I had a picture, actually it was a carousel, as they call it, mm -hmm. multiple pictures, of certain wrestlers that I met at a little event called WrestleCon. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach, I don't know if you've seen this. You seen it? Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen them. I've seen them. Yeah. If you want to see, there's the pictures of me and Sonny Ono, who Sonny is a Ono. legendary manager from WCW in New Japan. Yep. Scott Demore, who's uh, one of the main people in charge of Impact Wrestling. All right. Uh, D'Lo Brown. Yeah, D'Lo Brown. From the Nation of Domination, yep. Aces and Eights. Yeah, yeah. I, he, got the, he got the European title with him. I got to take yep. a picture with that. Uh, Cole Cabana oh. from Dark Order. Uh, Maven. Oh, my God. Who, I got some stories about him I'm going to tell in a minute. <laughs> he was awesome to talk to, man. He's a nice guy. Charlie Haas. Yeah, Charlie Haas. Another solid motherfucker. Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, okay. Nice guy. Deborah, who used to be uh, married to Stone Cold, was a uh, manager of uh, Jeff Jarrett and the first diva when Jerry Lawler coined the phrase puppies. Puppies. It was Deborah. He was the first one to talk about that. Ah, and of course, Booker King, T. King Booker. And Missy Hyatt. 
Let me see how it is. So that's the carousel. Now, I do have some other pictures that are up there as well, or at least will be posted at the time that I do this. But I have them as standalone pictures because they have sentimental value to me. And uh, I'll explain what they are. The first one is we, I got a picture with the Nature Boy Ric Flair. That has to be a standalone picture right there. Yeah, it does. Ric Flair. And the other one is Axe from Demolition. Oh, okay. And that has sentimental value to me. And I'm going to tell you the story why. Why? As I mentioned earlier in this episode, mm -hmm. I went through 13 years of hell at retail. Yes, you did. During the three years that I worked at Lowe's, Axe from Demolition used to shop at the store regularly. Oh, okay. And he would come through my line. Now, the first couple times he came through my line, I didn't know it was him. I looked at him and I went, God, looks so familiar. Who the fuck is he? <laughs> and I was afraid to ask. Yeah. But then one day, he was buying something, and he paid with a check. Okay. Now, for those of you who may not know, when you pay for something with a check, we ask for your ID. Because you have to put your driver's license number and the expiration date. We have to write it on the check to verify that you can validly pay with this check. Yeah. And then we go through this process. So he gave me his ID, and I saw the name. And I went, that name looks familiar. Then I, later on, after he left, I Googled it mm -hmm. on my phone. Because I had a line of customers, so I couldn't stop and ask him. And I looked it up, and I went... That's fucking acts of demolition. <laughs> and the fucked up part is, every time he would come through my line, I would always have a line. Mm -hmm. So I was never able to stop him or talk to him or get his autograph. But he remembered my name because he came through my line all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two years ago, when I finally quit Lowe's, yeah. in my mind, I was never going to see him again. Yeah, I hear you. I thought I, thought I was never going to see him again. We're at WrestleCon. He comes walking up in the demolition gear and all, and I'm like, I, and he came over to say hi to Buff. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm not getting a picture with him. <laughs> I, I, this has to happen. Yes, it does. Yes, it so, does. Yes, it does. At first, they weren't going to let me do it, but because I was Buff's agent, they let me do it. That's another story I'm going to get to in a minute. Uh -huh. Um, So I got the picture with him, and I said, hey, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, he used to come through my line all the time at Lowe's, and his eyes on me went, oh, yeah, I remember you. I thought you looked familiar. He said, you still work there? I said, nah, man, I left. I'm a... He goes, what do you do now? I said, I, well, I work with Buff, and when I'm not working with him, I'm a social media manager. He goes, that's great, man. I'm proud of you, man. It was good to see you. I said, good to see you too, man. I, I, I said, I always wanted to get your picture, but I was always scared to, to ask you for it, or I just, you know, we always had a line. I was never able to do it. And he said, hey, man. He said, don't be scared, man. I love talking to fans. And he walked away, and I went, that is like a highlight moment for me. Bravo. Because I got to meet him at my at Lowe's and it was yeah. great so I uh, that was a high that so those had to be standalone pictures had to be Ric Flair because he's Ric Flair regardless of all the stupid shit he's done and ask because it has sentimental value now as far mm -hmm. as being his agent I learned a valuable lesson when asking people for pictures the fact that I am Buff Bagwell's agent has to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth if I want the pic if I want the picture. And I learned that with Booker T. Because Booker T comes over naturally say hi to Buff because they knew each other in WCW. They were good friends. In fact, the one and only match Buff had in WWE was against Booker T. So there's a lot of history there. So Booker comes over and when he comes over, I, I see him. This is what I did the whole time whenever I asked for a picture. I was very I went out of my way to be extremely polite. Because I know these guys get bum-rushed for pictures, and some fans just don't care, and they're rude and disrespectful. So I always try to be respectful to get the picture. So this is what I said to everybody when I asked them, when I asked these guys for pictures. This is what I said. I said, can I trouble you for a picture, sir? I don't think you can get more polite than that. The only way I could've got more polite is if I said, please. Mm -hmm. So I'd come over to Booker, and I said, can I trouble you for a picture, sir? And he just, and he starts, and he just stares at me. Like, he got to look at his face like, who's this fucking Mark trying to get a free picture from me? I found out later that's what he was doing. He thought I was some Mark trying to get a free picture because they're charging for pictures at WrestleCon. 
you know, you go, you go, you charge money, you get a picture in eight by ten and all that. So he thinks I'm trying to get a free, some free shit from him. So he's kind of staring me down. He goes, "What'd you say?" I said, "Can I trouble you for a picture, sir?" He goes, "Yeah." And he just keeps looking at me. And dude, the look of terror on my face. I, I'm, I, I'm shaking with fear because I don't think Booker T's gonna fucking kill me. <laughs> Sonny Ono's there. He starts laughing his ass off. He goes, Boogie goes, dude, you got him all scared. He starts laughing. And then Buff looks at him and goes, bro, he works for me. He's my agent. And he looks at him and he goes, you're Buff's agent? I go, yeah. He goes, why didn't you say so, dog? Come on over here, man. All of a sudden, he puts his arm around me. I remember something. I remember one time you and Dez were making fun of me. I said, yeah, I was going to buy dinner for you guys. She was like, oh, what's up, Jack? We're so sorry. Just was about to bring that up. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. But yeah, so he was like, why are you saying so? Dumb? So he puts his arm around me. And I get the picture. So now I learned. So I try not to be that guy, you know, but apparently I have to be because I learned this. What? They respect you more if they hear the word agent. Okay. That there's a trigger word that goes on in their head. It makes them think, oh, he's an agent. Maybe he knows some Hollywood people. Maybe he can get me some work. If my, I can call him. If I, if my agent sucks, maybe I can call him. Like I've had people ask me like, Booch, are you going to be a manager or agent for any more wrestlers? It's like, hold on. Let me let me worry about one wrestler right now and for before I graduate. <laughs> but uh, as of right now, I only intend on being an agent for Buff. Whether or not I expand my repertoire, call me in a few years. I'm still I'm still learning how to do this shit. By the way, like Buff is literally training me on how to do this shit, so he don't have to do it. So that makes sense. The goal is eventually for me to do be in charge of fucking everything. Like I okay. negotiate deals and everything. But yep. for now, I'm just doing what I'm doing yep. until I get to that point. But, yeah, so once I look at an agent, everybody wanted a picture of me at that point. How big is he, Booker T? Big. Big? Tall motherfucker. Yeah, he's, Tall he, motherfucker. I saw the pictures, like, good God. Well, you're just short in size. Yes. I'm five foot four. So. I thought you were four foot two. Really? <laughs> four foot two? Yeah. You realize if I was four foot two, I'd be punching you in the dick every time I saw you? Every time I saw you? Like, every, like... Like literally, you would. I would knock on your front. I would walk up to your house, knock on your front door. Hey, Vinny, punch. <laughs> and then, all right, let's go watch some wrestling. Like that's what, what. That's how the fuck this shit would go down. Okay. But enough of that. That's not the point. That's not the point of this conversation. The point is, I want to tell the story about you know me going to Dallas and everything else. So um, obviously, Thursday morning, got up early, uh, got on the plane, flew to Dallas. Uh, the flight there was actually pretty good. It was kind of weird because it had been a long time since I'd been to the airport. Yeah. So I got I got my uh, boarding stuff done in advance, and I didn't check my bag, mm-hmm. which Buff thought was weird. Why am I not checking my bag? I'm like, I can easily put it in the overhead. Why why check it? I don't want to. There you go. I, I just didn't feel like it. He thought it was weird, but whatever. But that was on the plane ride going home because Buff and I took separate flights there because the miles that we had to buy to get me my ticket. Yeah. Because we had to use his miles to get it. Yeah. Um, in order for the miles to work, I had to take an earlier flight than he did. His All flight right. was eleven twenty. My flight was seven twenty in the morning. So my dad had to drive me to the airport. Yeah. So I get there. I get on the plane. I land in Dallas. So I'm basically just killing time for three hours while I wait for Buff. Yep. And I found something interesting. I didn't take advantage of this. But I found something interesting when I landed there. What? They actually have a section where you can play video games. Really? Yeah, in the Texas airport. In the oh, Dallas, yeah. in the Dallas Fort Worth airport, there's a thing called Gameway where you can pay to play video games for an hour. Hmm. Which I would have done, but A, I didn't want to waste my money. Dang and B, I was hungry. So go. I went to the Fridays and I just kind of sat there and ate, killed time until Buff's plane landed. And then once his plane landed, we got in the car and we're driving. Now, when we get to, before we get in the car though, 
Michael was picking us up mm-hmm. with this guy, Jalen, who was his assistant for the day. Yeah. I mean, for the weekend, I should say. When we get there, we discover we can't get into our hotel. Why? Because the maintenance system is down and they were not accepting online reservations, even though we made them months ago. So Michael's pissed, so we had to scramble to find us a hotel. So we ended up spending the weekend at a Super 8, mm-hmm. which Buff didn't care. He'd stayed in Super 8s before when he traveled on the yeah. road. They always try to find cheap motels to save money because... Even during the WCW, hardcore WCW days, they still had to pay for their own rooms and stuff. That's why when they ask for a lot of money, it's really not in their contracts. It's not that ridiculous because they were having to provide their own hotels, you know, flights sometimes, um, you know, rental cars, things like that. Unless you were Hogan flying on the private jet with Bischoff, you were pretty much paying for your own transportation. There you go. So we find the Super 8. Now here's the dilemma we have. There's two beds (laughs) and a chair. Now, Michael asked me if I would have a problem with this. He tried to get a suite before, but he didn't, there wasn't a couch. Because last time we went to WrestleCade, I slept on the couch. Yeah. And I said, look, I got no problem sleeping in that chair. One thing I'm going to say right now, I ain't sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. I said, I am not a diva. But if there's one diva-like demand I am going to have, it is that I refuse to sleep on the floor. I need a bed. I need a chair. I need a couch. Something. If you tell me if we can blow up an air mattress, I'll fucking sleep on that. <laughs> and no, I don't want to borrow Mitch. But my point is Fuck you. <laughs> but I'm just saying I'm not sleeping on the floor. So here's what we here's the decision we come to. Jalen gets the chair. Michael gets a bed because he paid for the room, so he's entitled to a bed. Buff and I ended up sharing a bed. Fuck you. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> This is literally what happened. But I, I, Buff was like telling me that we gotta share this bed, and then we're like, oh, all right. So here's what happened. Buff got the side with the nightstand because he has his uh, sleep apnea machine. Yeah. So he had his machine set up, his mask, everything. I took the side right by the edge, and I and I scooted myself as far as I could get to keep as much distance between us as possible. Mm. And that's how we slept for three days. Mm. Just literally him on one side. Me on the other side, never the two shall meet, unless I was asleep and I moved around for some reason. I think I did for a period of time. I don't. I think he said that I don't remember. I just know if I did move past that line, I was unconscious when I did it. That's all the fuck I know. And I remember I woke up, or here's the thing, Buff woke up before us one time, and that's a rarity. He was literally trying to get all of us up because we were exhausted. So somebody goes, he goes, Vinny, come on, we gotta get going. And I'm like, and I go, what time is it? And he goes, get up. <laughs> And we all started laughing. I'm like, oh, so it's that time. Okay. And I looked at him. He didn't say, he didn't give me a number. He didn't tell me what. He just said, get up. Because we had to get up early because we had a bunch of um, gigs that we had to do that day. We had WrestleCon, which was great. That's where I met the legends and everything. But also, we got a chance to uh, meet a lot of the fans, you know, autographs, pictures, things like that. We did very well at WrestleCon. And the fans came over. They were happy to see Buff. It was it was, it was was almost as good as WrestleCade. Like, it was right up there at WrestleCade as a great night for not just Buff, but for myself. It was one of those things where when Buff left there, he felt on top of the world. And I walked out of there feeling more and more like Buff's fucking agent. Which, I got that feeling the first time when we went to WrestleCade. I got it again at WrestleCon. There was that. But then, there was another event that took place. And we're going to talk about this. And that was... An event I did not expect to be a part of, but was excited when I did. And that was the GCW Joey Janela Spring Break 6 Part 2, The Greatest Clusterfuck. 
Now, originally when we got to Texas, we were supposed to be doing a comedy show at Hyena's Comedy Club. That was originally what we were supposed to do Friday night. The gig wound up getting canceled. Actually, Michael called me uh, the week of the show to tell me that. I think Zach was actually inside getting pizza at the time that I was having that conversation. Yep, I remember that. And I jokingly said, oh man, I was going to bring my comedy suit and everything. Because I had a suit that I always wear when I perform. You should do. Michael told me, bring the suit. I'm like, okay. Because him and Buff both agreed I should wear a suit, you know, because I'm Buff's agent and everything. And I said, well, if that's the reason, you, you told me before I didn't have to wear a suit. He said, and, and Buff said, well, those were indie shows. This is WrestleCon. This is WrestleMania weekend. We got to show up, show out. And I agreed. So I will, even though I packed clothes, I wore the suit all three days. And I, except for on Saturday, I wore jeans and an NWO shirt because on Saturday we were leaving from WrestleCon straight to the airport and I wanted to be comfortable on the plane. And I knew while wearing a suit, I was not going to be comfortable on the plane in a suit. So I wore my jeans, long jeans, and I wore my NWO shirt to still represent Buff Bagwell because that's usually what I wear when I go to indie shows and I'm helping out Buff. I wear my NWO shirt because we're a part of the NWO as Buff Bagwell is known for. And of course I, you know, wear jeans because they're nice. You know, I don't have to look, I don't have to look, uh, you know, insanely professional at wrestling shows unless i'm actually working the wrestling show but if i'm just there to help buff i can wear an nwo shirt and that's it but for this particular weekend they wanted me to wear a suit because they wanted to look all out for the event and i agreed it we i should look great for this event and it actually helped out wonders it helped me look good to wear a suit during the weekend so the comedy show ends up not happening so we get booked to do the joey janela spring break gcw event so we go to the event and um, we get there and at first we're trying to get our bearings on where we're at. We're saying hi to everybody and we're meeting some of the, the guys and overall it's a very nice group of people, you know. Some parts look a little awkward because um, the the backstage area looks like an ECW locker room. <laughs> I'm not hating on it, I'm just calling it like I saw it. Well, but So we're there and... We're meeting all the people and everything. Everyone, of course, everyone's excited to see Buff and all that. But um, what's interestingly enough is when watching the event, I had an epiphany. What's that? I have revised my whole opinion on GCW. Okay. Well, is it a good opinion or a bad opinion? It's a good opinion. Really? Even though somebody's in there? Yes. Here's the deal. As you guys know in the past, I've had not-so-nice things to say about GCW. Uh, when I did boot shoots on, I talked about the social distancing match and the Invisible Man versus the Invisible Stand. I ripped those matches to shreds. Why? Yeah, you did. I remember this. Because they were dumb. Dumb as fuck. So, because those were the only two matches I saw, and from all the rumors I've heard about GCW, for the last two years, up until WrestleMania weekend, I didn't have a very positive opinion of GCW. But after going to the show and meeting the people involved, I realized that GCW, when they're not doing, you know, things like the social distancing match and the Invisible Man versus the Invisible Stand, when they're actually trying to put on an actual wrestling show, they deliver when they're trying. Okay. So, for example, the match, there was a Chris Dickinson against Matt Cardona. That was a hellacious fucking match. Like, those two, they were wrestling. They were working. There was psychology. Like, it, it blew my fucking mind. Because we, we went over to the side to watch it, away from the fans, and 
it was amazing. Like Chelsea Green did a great job. Missy Hyatt was there. Mm. It was epic. At one point, Chris, Chelsea Green was trying to attack Chris Dickinson. He freaking clotheslined the shit out of her, and I went, "Oh my god!" Because you rarely see that in wrestling anymore, especially WWE. <clears throat> yeah. So that the whole thing was amazing. In the end, um, you know, Chris Dickinson got the win, beat Matt Cardona. Amazing, great match. Then Tony Deppin versus uh, Biff Busick. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. For Busik, I don't know how to pronounce it. But either way, they had a pretty good, decent match. Um, just doing very, very well. Kick-ass. Then uh, they had Speedball Mike Bailey versus Jordan Oliver, who replaced PCO because he got injured at the Impact Multi-Universe of Matches show. It was an Impact show at WrestleCon as well. And what's weird about PCO was at WrestleCon, he had a table right next to ours. He didn't show up at all for the autograph signings. And I have no fucking idea why. What is the point in reserving a table, you're in town, and you don't go to the autograph signing? You just not, you just not like money? I guess not. That's fucking weird. I hate that shit. But anyway, they had a pretty good match. Then we saw Manuro Suzuki versus Effie. And we definitely paid attention to that match. Because Effie is a huge fan of Buff Bagwell. And they've been... Talking a lot on Twitter. So we had to see that match and it was very well done. And then we have the Clusterfuck Battle Royal. Now, Buff was in the Clusterfuck Battle Royal. But we knew he wasn't going over. So we had to figure out what we could do. Because when they originally... When we talked about this match, I was nervous about it. Because I'm thinking, okay, how is Buff going to get eliminated by being thrown over the top rope when he's on a crutch and can barely walk? And I didn't know a lot of these wrestlers. So I'm trying to think, okay, who do we know in that ring that's safe? And at first we thought Too Cold Scorpio was going to be in that. Him and Buff are great friends. So we thought, okay, let's have Scorpio throw Buff over the top rope. Buff can control the bump on the way down. But at least we know somebody can safely throw him out. Then I saw there were a few legends in the in the match, like Maven and a few others. So I thought, okay, maybe we can get one of them to toss Buff over the top rope. Because I feel safer with a legend protecting Buff. Because, now keep in mind, like I said, this is before I got to the venue... Before I got to the venue and met everybody, I didn't trust any of the GCW regulars at the time with Buff Bagwell's safety because of the preconceived notion that I had of GCW before I got to the building. But after I got to the building and saw how everyone worked and saw how professional everyone was and how great of a guy everyone there was from Brett Lauderdale to the ring announcer to the commentators to the wrestlers to everybody, now I have a whole new opinion on GCW and it turns out they are a great wrestling company. You know, they, they have their moments, and as an analyst, I'll always be critical of those moments. But when they're actually putting on a show and delivering solid wrestling, the wrestling is great. I can admit that. So, again, we're trying to figure out what to do with Buff. Well, we find out that in the Clusterfuck Battle Royal, getting thrown over the top rope is not the only form of elimination. Turns out you can also be eliminated by pinfall. There's pinfall, there's submission, there's over-the-top rope, and there's one thing about leaving the building, which I don't understand that one, but whatever. So we come up with an idea. Joey Janela is going to be the first entrant in the Clusterfuck Battle Royal. We decide that Buff is going to enter at number two. And he's going to come out to the American Males theme song from when he was with Scotty Rage and WCW. You know, American Males, American Males, American Males, American Males. And we're going to do the clap and everything. And then him and Joey are going to celebrate. He's going to do the Buff strut. It's going to look like they're going to be friends. Then all of a sudden, Joey's going to super kick him. Buff's going to take a bump. And he's going to pin him one, two, three and get him out of there. Because they know because of Buff's crutch and knee brace, he can't do a whole lot in this match. So we're really looking for the pop from the fans. Now, before Buff goes out there, this is a little bit before the, the match happens, I happen to look 
at the ramp. And I've learned from doing shows with Buff that because of his crutch and everything, he sometimes needs help getting down the ramp. Or sometimes walking. There's times where he'll literally grab his hand and put it on my shoulder or grab the back of my neck to steady himself while he's walking. So I look over at Buff and I innocently said to him, and I swear to God, I had no preconceived notions. I literally just innocently asked him. I said, hey, are you going to be good getting down that ramp by yourself or do you need me to go with you? Now, if he had said, I'm good by myself, he'd have went down by himself. But then he looked at it and said, you know what? I might need you to come out there with me. So live on pay-per-view, Buff and I go out to the ring. Now, they're deciding what to call me. Buff says, if anybody asks, just say he's the butler. Now, the reason for that is because last month when Buff came back from a signing in New York, I brought Buff back to the accountability crib. And obviously, because of his, you know, crutches and everything, I had to carry his bag up to the room because it was going up the stairs. So I take the bag, I go up the stairs, I set it up in his room and everything. And Steve Yu, who is the director of Change or Die, but also has worked closely with DDP, he's like his business partner. He also directed the uh, Resurrection of Jake the Snake, the documentary on Jake the Snake Roberts, mm -hmm. and the Relentless documentary that um that that chronicles uh, DDP and him uh, coming back from a back injury and also putting the DDP yoga business together and everything. Like It tells Dallas' story. He said, you know, Buff, when you get back in the ring, you should have Vinny come out with you and be your butler. And Buff kind of laughed at it and so did I. And it worked because Buff actually grew up a rich kid. A lot of people didn't know that. Because his mom, God rest her soul, she ran a lumber yard here in Marietta. Uh, and they were rich for a period of time. Then eventually, uh, I think they're, I think like his brothers took over for a period of time and the company went bankrupt from what I've heard. I don't know the whole story, so I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. But then by the time Buff graduated, the company already got out of business, so he eventually went into wrestling because he's been a wrestling fan his whole life. And he got into wrestling, did that, and he became, that's why he prided himself on saying he became a millionaire twice. Because he grew up a rich kid that made his own millions when he was in the wrestling business. And then obviously, you know, things changed because of his career and everything. But, so they thought it was a good idea to have the butler. And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, all right, I'm, I'm okay with being the butler. I like this gimmick. But I felt like the word the butler was too plain. Mm. So I started trying to come up with a butler name. So I think about all of them. You know, there's like Jeeves, Jenkins, Alfred, Batman's butler. I was about to say that. But I thought about it and then I remembered something. Zach, you're a big 90s guy. Yeah. Do you remember the movie with the Olsen twins and Steve Gutenberg and Kirstie Alley called yeah. It Takes Two? Yeah. Do you remember the butler's name? No, I don't. Vincenzo. Vincenzo, or you go uh, Richie Rich style, Catberry. That was another one. Herbert, Catberry. Catberry. But the butler's name was Vincenzo. Mm -hmm. You know what else Vincenzo is? What? My name in Italian. Oh, okay. So I decided right there in the moment I came up with Vincenzo the butler. And I made that my name. Now, as soon as I come up with the idea, the ring announcer for the show mm -hmm. just so happened to walk by. <laughs> so I pulled him to the side and I said, hey, buddy, I need a favor. He goes, sure. He goes, uh, Buff's got me coming out with him to help him out and everything. So you got his intro, right? He goes, yep, I got it all written down. It's in my memory. I said, cool. I need you to add something to it. Say, accompany to the ring by Vincenzo the butler. He goes, Vincenzo the butler? I said, yes, sir. He goes, Got it. I said, thanks, brother. So he goes out there, goes, does his job. And then Joey Janela goes out, does his thing, you know, hyping up the crowd and everything. Then all of a sudden, the music plays for American Males. Buff walks out, slams the crutch down. I'm right there next to him. You know, and he's, we're singing the American Males song together. And then he has me come along the side to grab and he's walking. And you can see us live on pay-per-view 
walking down that ramp. Uh, Gator sent me the uh, sent me the thing. I was like, I was like, and so you saw it? Yeah, I saw it. No offense, you dude. You stick out from the crowd. I'm aware. I don't give a fuck. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, he calls you a Gator. Calls you a big toe. Yes, and I told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> Because he can suck my dick if he don't like the way I look. <laughs> so, I walk down to the ring. That's not safe. So, I walk down to the ring, and we're looking good. And the announcer is going, Ladies and gentlemen, entering at number two, being accompanied by Vincenzo the Butler. And then you hear the commentators go, VTB, baby. <laughs> the commentators put me over so goddamn well. They were even saying, and then, of course, he does Buff Bagwell's intro and everything, and Buff's talking into the camera, being Buff Bagwell, and then he gets in the ring, and we couldn't find any ring steps. We had to pull a steel chair out and him stand on that to get in the ring, and I'm like, what the fuck, who the fuck doesn't bring ring steps to a show? I thought it was goddamn ridiculous, but whatever. So, he gets in the ring, that ringside, yeah. and they're doing the thing, and, you know, Joey Janela's doing the Buff dance, and Buff's high-fiving him and everything, they're having fun, then they start doing the clap, American males, American males. Boom, does a super kick. This is the part that wasn't planned. The second Joey kicks him, <laughs> one of the lenses in his shades popped out uh, and goes flying through the air as Buff takes the bump. The lens lands right next to him. I managed to snatch it just in time before the refs ran past me, slid in the ring, and went one, two, three, and eliminated Buff. Yeah. So I got the lens, I put it in my pocket. Buff rolls out of the ring. So as he's walking to the back, you can see he's got a dark lens over here and one where there's like, you can see his eye. There's no, there's a missing lens here. So he's got sunglasses with one lens in it. Walking to the back all dazed and shit. It looks fucking great. We walk to the back. The next guy comes out. Everything's cool. We get to the back. Everybody's applauding Buff. Everybody's applauding me. And here's the crazy part. What? Buff's sitting in a chair. We're getting everything settled in. Guess who walks up? Who? Nick Gage. Oh, gosh. Now, if you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel, you know Zach and I... Don't like this guy. We did a dark side of the ring on Nick Gage, and we were none too kind... No, we were not. ...to Nick Gage, or deathmatch wrestling, for that matter. Lightball match. So, Nick Gage comes over, because he's a fan of Buff Bagwell. Shakes his hand, takes a picture. Now, me being a professional, and I don't know why you give me that look, I am a professional, motherfucker. You, you are a professional, but this is Nick fucking Gage. I'm aware. I say, hi, I'm, I'm Vinny Bucci. I'm Buff's agent. Nice to meet you. I shake his hand. And he goes, hey, Vincenzo. He said, great stuff out there, man. And he kind of walks away. And I immediately thought to myself, I might be warming up to this guy. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I... You know, like I said, my opinion on GCW changed. I'm like, okay, Nick Gage might not be that bad after all. You know, because I'll give I give credit where it's due. I always have. Despite the craziness that Nick Gage puts on in the ring, he is respectful, at least to legends. Or maybe he's matured since that time in his life has passed. I don't know. Me neither. I can only base on what I saw at GCW. And I'll even say the same thing about Joey Janela. Even though he and I do not get along, and even though he couldn't even look me in the eye when he shook my hand, at least he took care of Buff. That's true. So if you want me to give one compliment to Joey Janela, uh -huh. if you're waiting for it, here it is. He's safe to work with. That's a shock. That, because even though he's done a lot of botching in his career, <laughs> he's never hurt anybody. Well, that's true as well. When, when you think about it, and he, he took care of Buff, 
He did the right thing for business and everything worked out great. So Joey was at least a professional. And I maintained my professionalism throughout. Because my rule was I wasn't going to be rude until somebody was rude to me. You're nice to me, I'm nice to you. Because this is Joey's show. I'm a guest. I'm going to be respectful. As long as he doesn't cross a line, I don't cross a line. That's how I operate. I'm not, this is not about me. This is about Buff. That's it was about true. his night. So we had a great time. And Brett Lauderdale was very polite to us. The commentators put me over. Ring announcer was, was great. The wrestling matches were great. It was great to see all the guys. So it was a kick-ass night. And I highly recommend you guys check out the GCW Joey Janela Spring Break 6 Part 2. The greatest clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I got a few other stories I want to tell. All right, go ahead. This is pretty damn good. I mentioned Maven earlier. Yeah. Maven is one of the nicest, funniest guys I met all, all weekend. He was a solid dude, very, very cool, down to earth. And some people were wondering what Maven's up to. And here it is. Maven still wrestles on occasion, but he does it on his terms. Primarily, he works on Wall Street. Really? Yes. Uh. That's what he's been doing for the longest time now. He works on Wall Street. Every now and then, if the money's right and it's WrestleMania weekend or something cool like that, he'll get in the ring. He's still got a great drop kick, and he's still a solid guy. Now, here's the most awkward part of meeting Maven. What? Oh. On his phone, he showed me a picture of Batista. He then flipped over, and I now get to join a rare elite group of people in the wrestling business who have now seen Batista's dick. You have something to say, don't you? Yes, I do. And what is that, sir? The animal's well hung. (laughs) Now, as soon as Maven showed this to me, the first thing he says to me is, Now, there's a reason why this is in my phone. And I said, I would love to hear this. I need to know why Batista just sent you a picture of his dick. And here's what happened. Apparently, back in the day, when Maven and Batista were both full-time in the business. Yeah, 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 yeah. They did what most wrestlers do. Uh Uh-huh. Fuck the rats. Of course they did. Which, for those you don't know, those are the groupies. The groupies. So, a lot of times, when Maven and Batista, whenever they would get hooked up with some girls, they would take pictures of them doing dirty, sexy things to them and text them to each other. Like, he'd stick a finger in a girl's ass, text it to him, and say, top that. One time, Batista had a threesome. The two girls were eating each other out. He sent a picture goes, top that. Then, Maven sent another picture to Batista one time and said, top that. And Batista sent him a picture of his dick. And the caption said, I'm riding solo. <laughs> so it was kind of like a fuck you one on that one. So that's why he has the picture of Batista's dick. Oh, Jesus. And, his, and it was Batista's face, so it was his, I could tell it, was, it wasn't just a dick. It was, he took a selfie where he's like laying down and he put the phone like way over to where you could see his face and his dick. So he made it clear you knew that was his dick. And Maven keeps the picture. <laughs> And it was hilarious. So now I saw it, Michael saw it, so now we joined an elite group of people who have seen Batista's dick. Apparently it's a, it's, it's an elite list. Because apparently, if you ever watch kayfabe commentaries, pe- wrestling fans ask that question a lot. What about Batista's dick? So I've now seen Batista's dick. I didn't want to. He just sprung it on me. But I was like, all right, I've seen it. So that was a hell of a story. Uh, Charlie Haas. Solid fucking guy. Great dude. Doesn't He still wrestles from time to time. He mostly coaches wrestling, like high school wrestling stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes to like see his daughters that do like track meets and things like that. So he's very much a family man. Uh, Hornswoggle was there. What's he like? Cool dude. I bet. Real cool. 
Chelsea Green was a sweetheart. We talked in the locker room um, or in the backstage area. Uh, Jerry Lawler came over. He was cool. A um, few other people. But yeah, it was a solid fucking weekend, dude. And that GCW event, like, it was like the debut of Vincenzo the Butler. And now, uh, what we're trying to do is, at least what I'm trying to do now is, I'm trying to find ways to evolve the character. Because the goal is for this character to be coming out with Buff uh, full time. And, you know, like when Buff's back in the ring and he can actually wrestle, wrestle, like work matches. Yeah. My job is to come out there. We're coming up with all these ideas like, uh, like... Like, uh, I was talking to, uh, Buff's niece, and he came up with this idea of we should do, uh, have, like, a t-shirt that says Butler Life. Mm-hmm. She thinks I should come out to the ring with a tuxedo t-shirt, and then, and we both came, and I came up with the idea of, you know, like, most managers, when they come out, they have a cane, or, like, or Mr. Fuji would throw the salt. Yeah. Or, you know, Jim Cornette had the tennis racket. Paul Heyman, in, in the early days of WCW, had the big-ass cell phone. So I thought, what can I wear, bring to the ring? And I can't, and it hit me. I came up with it. What? I bring a tray. Oh, there you go. And Buck can put the top hat on the tray. And when I'm a baby face, I can kind of hold it there. Or if he's a heel and I have to do something to distract for the referee, the referee can be distracted by something. I can take the tray and crack somebody in the head with it. And I can get one of those cheap ones from like Dollar General. That way when it hits, it doesn't hurt as much. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking like I can get like a a gimmick tray and smash somebody in the head with it and then Buff can pin one, two, three. You know, get the one, two, three and win the match. Or if somebody's interfering, I can hit them with the tray to stop them. So it's a good spot. You know what I mean? So we're coming up with these ideas because now I'm Buff's agent manager outside the ring. Now they're thinking about making me his manager in the ring. So there's a good chance I'm going to be getting back in the business, but this time I'm going to be a manager instead of a commentator and announcer. That sounds like a hell of a lot better than what you had to deal with last time. Oh, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I would be open to doing commentary and announcing again. Not for the previous place I worked, but for any other promotion that wants to book me for that, I'd be happy to do it. But also, but as far as being Buff's manager in the ring, I would love that. So, Vincenzo the Butler is the new gimmick I'm working with here. So, we're trying to evolve it and work it out, but the goal is to make it a regular thing once Buff starts getting back in the rank and physically wrestling. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. So, all right. Anything else you have to say about WrestleCon? Um... Only that we had a breakfast with Buff thing that went over pretty well at the Waffle House. And, um, you know, the plane ride back was okay. Uh, I think that was the only stressful part of the whole trip was the plane ride back. Okay, okay. What was the problem with the plane ride back? Well, um, you know, it was uh, Buff at one point was uh, late, was like still trying to eat, finish his meal. We had to board the plane. So thankfully Buff was able to make it in time because I couldn't leave without him. Uh, then at one point I had to go to the bathroom, but when I got out of the bathroom, they were serving the drinks. I had to stay at the back of the plane and wait for them to bring the fucking carts through (laughs) so I can go sit in my chair. And also I was trying to watch, uh... Stand and deliver on the plane, and I had Desmond complaining about the fact that we couldn't get the Twitch stream to work. And okay, well, here's the Twitch broadcast studio. I can't download random apps. I'm like, random apps? It's a fucking Twitch broadcast studio. How's that a random app? He goes, well, if I have to download something, I can't stream it. So I just wrote, fuck it. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Because I don't want to argue with him on the plane. No. Because, again, I'm not getting my blood pressure up and getting pissed off on the plane and risking an undercover TSA guy tase me and then put the zip ties on me and then I gotta go get fucking interrogated when I get back to the fucking... 
when the plane fucking lands. And we gotta land in fucking Detroit, and I have to go sit with TSA people all fucking day. Extra, extra, read all about it. Vinny Pucci has a meltdown on a plane. Extra, extra, read all about it. Vinny Pucci, a.k.a. the Pooch, has a meltdown on the plane. You know how stupid you would look holding up newspapers that said that? Nobody even reads those anymore. No, no, I'm just putting it out. You would literally have to, you would pretty much have to go on Facebook Live and be like, extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> That's the only way you could do that is if you went on, like, Facebook Live. Oh, uh, Facebook, extra, extra, the beach, a.k.a. the beach was caught with a prostitute. And that surprised you? No, this one was that, transgender. Those are the things a transgender. transgender. You can't send somebody. What are you, it's like, oh, Transsexual. I'm Transsexual. Yeah, yeah. Nah, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> We're not going down that road. <laughs> Okay. I remember, Vinny, always check the total package. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> so, but yeah, so overall, WrestleCon was a hell of a great weekend. I had a great time in Dallas. Sounds like you did. Oh, uh, man, it was great. It was life-changing and um, made a lot of valuable connections, met a lot of cool people, and um, definitely looking forward to going back next year. Uh, yeah, hopefully be, you do. Maybe yeah. I can go with you one day. Yeah, we'll I'll just be there. Yeah. If, if it's in Atlanta, you oh. can probably go, but if we're flying to where WrestleMania is, there's no way you're coming. Oh. We, dude, unless you want to buy your own ticket. You want to buy your own plane ticket? I'll probably buy my own plane ticket. You have to buy your own plane ticket, I'm telling you right now. Bus not going to buy a plane ticket for you. He'll buy one for me, but not for you. So it was great. It was a great weekend. Got a good payday, and... It was definitely, like I said, a life-changing experience, and I loved it. It was my, I made my debut as a manager, and I'm fucking excited about it. Well, there you go, there you go. All right, sir, moving on. What do you yes. got next? Well, Zach, I believe you wanted to talk a little bit about WrestleMania. You had some things on your mind you wanted to vent about. Uh, boo! Do the one thing. Say it with me, Benny, except for a, cu- a couple of matches. Know why this WrestleMania sucks? Uh, uh, once again, say it with me, Vinny. Lazy Booking. One more time, Mr. Bidwell Ghost. Lazy Booking. You dumb motherfuckers. Thanks for it, man. Maybe in your old age, you're getting Alzheimer's. I don't know. Maybe Bruce Pitcher, you got your head stuck up your ass. But this was on. This was discourageable. This was horrible. And I probably don't want to watch WrestleMania ever again. Well, that's an interesting way to put it. Now, obviously, we're not going to go over the matches because we already talked about that on the WrestleMania 38 recap. So you can go back and check that out. But apparently, Zach still had some WrestleMania-related things he wanted to get off his chest. But we had. So much going on that day, we didn't have time to really go into it. No, we did not, and we wanted to throw things. Uh, At times, yes. Although, I will say, there was one thing we definitely talked about that was great, and it was, you know, obviously Cody Rhodes did a phenomenal job coming back. Uh, Pat McAfee was amazing up until the whole bullshit with Vince McMahon. But the talk of the town... (sighs) Is Logan Paul? Yeah. So Zach, say yeah, yeah, say what about I, Logan yeah, Paul. yeah. I saw that. People, a lot of people don't like Logan Paul. At first, I did it, but he went on the internet on Facebook and said, "Hey, look, you think this is fake? This ain't fake." He said, "This magical thing, this shit hurts." Yeah. He was like, "Fuck y'all, this shit hurts." This shit hurts. Fake. I'm so all over. But what was so funny was, is when he was. When they got their win over the Mysterios, and Vince just looked over at him, I was like, uh-oh. I was like, I knew it. I was like, ha! 
Well, yes, and I want to say this. People give Logan Paul a lot of shit. Yeah, they do. And mostly it's because he made his living as a YouTuber. He started off on Vine, and he did a bu- he made a bunch of content and became, like, social media famous. And a lot of people hate that. And the reason they hate that is because anybody that, get, that makes a lot of money but doesn't get up in the morning and work a 9-to-5 job like the rest of us, people tend to get bitter and jealous. When you don't work a 9-to-5 job and you make money doing anything else, people are jealous because they believe they work because they work harder than you they are entitled to making the kind of money that you make even though millions of people wouldn't pay to see you do anything you know it's like one, I was like the one person who said like you know why do teachers make less money than musicians and athletes it's easy 18,000 people don't pay money to watch you teach if they did you'd make that kind of money now I'm not hating on teachers because I do believe there are some teachers who deserve to make a lot of money but there are also teachers who are really shitty and don't deserve to make a lot of money. And you can say that about any profession in the world. There are some people who are grossly underpaid, and there are some people who are grossly overpaid in any profession in the world. That being said, most people really hate Logan Paul because of the incident involving the dead body in Japan. Now, for those of you who are out of the loop on this, I'll explain. Back in 2017, Logan Paul and his crew went on vacation in Japan. And they filmed a bunch of stuff in Japan. They did a couple of funny skits, hung out at a few exotic places, had a great time. Well, originally, they had a plan to go to this forest in Japan. Now, this forest was called the Suicide Forest. And the reason it was called the Suicide Forest is because, famously, a lot of people had committed suicide going into this forest. They would go into this forest to kill themselves for whatever reason. Well, they were going in there because they thought it would be funny to go into the suicide forest and shoot some stuff. While they're walking through the forest, they discover a dead body hanging from a tree in the forest. I did not know that. They did. Now, even though the dead body was on video, they blurred out the face, which some people thought, regardless, was insensitive, that he had a dead body in a video and he bled the face. He goes, well, the, the families can still recognize it from his body. First of all, yeah, only the families could see that, first of all. Second of all, unless you got tattoos, you ain't picking someone's body out of a lineup. I don't give a fuck what you say. Or, or, unlike me on my body, birthmarks. Yeah, like birthmarks and scars. Like, if God forbid, and I say, now circle, underscore, highlight the words, God forbid. Desmond was to do this in the forest. I would be able to recognize him because of the tattoos he has. He has a tattoo on his chest of his step of his stepdad's name and the date of birth and date he passed. He has emblems of superheroes tattooed on his arm that it spells out Dax in the middle for his son. And he has a Gengar playing a guitar tattooed on his back, right back upper shoulder. Yeah, I know. So if God forbid Desmond was to kill himself and you blow out his face, I can tell that was his body from his tattoos. The rest of y'all, I ain't gonna be able to fucking tell. You came for me. Not your body. Mm-hmm. What do I have right here? Yeah, I know. The birthmarks and all that. No, I have a tattoo. Since what? You do? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. See, the problem is Zach doesn't is not shirtless around me often, so I don't remember when he has tattoos because they're all covered up by his shirt, which is a smart move when you for when you're going to work and stuff like that. Work don't really care for about tattoos. There's plenty of people who have a shitload of tattoos, but I understand being the professional that you have to be because eventually I'm going to go have to get the 9 to 5 job because I'm really sick of washing dishes and dealing with um, people who can't stack the place right. <clears throat> Elvis. Anyways, but yeah, that uh, Logan Paul thing, man, he really impressed me. He's grown a lot of respect for me. Any in the ring, and look at him, I was like, okay, and he did good. He did. He did good. 
and to finish the story, so when they see the dead body, they stopped whatever ideas they were going to do, and they called the police and brought the police out there. Now, while they're waiting for the cops, they're kind of sitting there, and they're kind of, like, laughing, but they're not, like, pointing and laughing. They're nervous laughing, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, sometimes when people get nervous, they start laughing or chuckling at the defense mechanism. (laughs) They're like, dude, what the fuck are we watching? (laughs) Oh, 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 you, uh, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did that. Yeah, they get, they were nervous laughing. And then, and you even hear Logan Paul look in the the camera and go, okay, we're, we're nervous laughing right now, but suicide is not a joke. And they're talking about that. So eventually they get the, um... The police come in, they get the body, everything's out. They're watching the ambulance to keep the body away. And then Logan Paul reluctantly does his call to action at the end of his videos because when you're a professional YouTuber, that's what you have to do. So he reluctantly has to say, hit the subscribe button, you know, ring the bell to be notified, all that stuff that you have to say at the end of a YouTube video when you're a professional YouTuber. So he reluctantly says that and wraps up the video. And then you got all this hate on, on social media to the point where he deleted the video and put out an apology and he disappeared from social media for like weeks because he was trying to let the effects of that die down. And then he got into the boxing world and all that. But people were still hating on him because they hated the fact that he showed a dead body in a video. Now, he didn't desecrate the dead body. He didn't put his low gang merch on it. He didn't do anything bad to it. All you saw was the dead body with a blurred out face. So you have no idea who that is unless you happen to know that person's body from head to toe. And here's why I gave people so much shit over hating on Logan Paul. Because I guarantee you... The same motherfuckers that were hating on him for showing a dead body. They said, he could have just told the story without the dead body. Uh, no, he couldn't. Because you would thought he was lying. And you would have went, well, where's the dead body? You didn't see a dead body. Show me the dead body. Where's your proof? I don't see a dead body. Show it or it didn't really happen. You're just lying, Logan Paul. <laughs> the same motherfuckers would have said that. Yeah. yeah show your true. receipts. Where's your proof? Well, I saw a dead body. Prove it. There it is. It was that fucking simple. And people thought he was being insensitive, and he fucking wasn't. And it was a stupid reason to get pissed off at Logan Paul. So now he redeems himself through the boxing world and showing that he has matured. He has. He's a lot different of a person now than he was back then. They had a bunch of immature pricks on his podcast recently, and he kicked them out. Because they were trying to act all badass. He said, we're done. You can leave now. And pretty much looked at them like, y'all try to to act like thugs, we'll kick your fucking ass. Because Logan Paul had fucking around. And here's the thing about Logan Paul. At WrestleMania, he is a prime example that old school still works because he's a natural athlete, so he was able to do the things he did. He paced himself well, he worked, he had psychology, but most importantly, he took the business seriously. He did. He showed a lot of respect to it, too. Yes. Now, granted, he did the three amigos and he did the shimmying thing like Eddie, but he's a heel. That's his job to get the heat. And he was going against the Mysterios. Mysterios. It worked. He worked well with the Mysterios. He worked well with the Miz as a partner. Miz came in with the Skull Crushing finale at the end in the hopes of bringing Logan Paul in as a babyface, which I'll be honest, I don't know if that's going to work. But I think if anybody can make Logan Paul look like a babyface, it's the Miz because the Miz is a fucking douchebag and very easy to fucking hate. That is very, very true. But he's so good at doing it, though. He is very easy to hate. I know. I've been doing it for years. So (laughs) Too long. Yeah, I don't think it's long enough. Um, but anyway, Logan Paul was phenomenal at WrestleMania. Yeah, he was one of the he was one of the main guys of the night. And in my opinion, it's embarrassing in a way because there's a lot of modern day wrestlers out there who are actual wrestlers in the business. And Logan Paul 
shows up 95% of them because they don't take the business seriously because you're more interested in being acrobats than fucking wrestlers. And that's why guys like Logan Paul and Pat McAfee and even Johnny Knoxville can walk in there, entertain the crowd, get their money's worth, and outshine all of you. That is true. And that's the reality. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Okay there, Mr. Vinibucci Lucas. Anything else you want to talk about? I got one final topic, and then we're wrapping the show up. All right then. As you guys know, we've been talking a lot about the Hall of Fame. That the Hall true. of Fame has obviously already passed. Yep. But we've shined a light on every Hall of Famer when we've done these variety shows. There's one more we haven't talked about. We're going to give him the spotlight right now, and that is Shad Gaspard being honored with the Warrior Award at the Hall of Fame. The late Shad Gaspar was post-humanless, humilless, however the fuck you say that word, honor, honored with the Warrior Award at this year's WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas. The former WWE star's wife, Siliana, and his son, Array, were in attendance. While taking the award, Siliana described Shad as a sheepdog who always protected his flock. There are endless stories I can tell about Shad standing up for others, helping others, and fighting for what was right. Shad used to tell our son that there are two types of men in the world, the wolves and the sheepdogs, and he would tell him to always be a sheepdog. The definition of a sheepdog is as follows. The sheepdog protects the flock of sheep from the wolves by combining elements from both the sheep and the wolf. They are empathetic towards others, yet they understand violence and aggression. Most importantly, they know how to use their aggression to protect others. The true definition of Shad, she said about Shad Gaspard. Siliana went on to tell her son that he was a sheepdog too. It was something Shad had seen long before her. She told Array that the best of Shad lived in him, and she wants him to hold his head high anytime anyone speaks of his dad. Shad Gaspard was given the award after he passed away while heroically saving his son from a strong current at Venice Beach. In May 2020. Yeah, I mean, I saw this too. This is probably the most heartwarming one rather than The Undertaker. But Shaq Gaspard did pass away from saving his son's life. And nobody deserves it more than him. I wish Shaq Gaspard was still here with us today. I do too. And he definitely deserved the Warrior Award. Um, I did think he was... Gr- I thought him and JTG were great as crime time. And they should have won a tag team title. They should have. They were so over. But no! They didn't want to do that at all. There must be the real coast. At, at one point, they were actually thinking about putting them in a faction with John Cena and calling them the Chain Gang. That would work out perfectly. That would have been great. Yes, it would. 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 Now, of course, some people hated on crime time because they thought it was stereotypical and all that stuff and you know why is the black guy gotta be like money money yeah yeah why they gotta talk like that it's because most y'all do stereotypes exist because there's a lot of y'all doing it okay you can't glorify that aspect of black culture and not expect people to adapt it into gimmicks or stuff on tv it's that fucking simple here's the best part it worked for crime time they were fucking good very good because even though they had that gimmick the crowd got behind it Yes, they did. The crowd would chant, money, money, yeah, yeah, yeah. that money, 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 money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crowds got behind it, you know? What They'd be like, that, what was their intro? Check your rolling, pop your, something like that. Brooklyn, we're bringing, we're bringing, we're bringing the hood to you. Bringing the bringing, this is how we do. Dude. They would come out there, you know, welcome to Hollywood, this is Hollywood. I don't know the rest of the lyrics. But, yeah, me neither, but it but, was still a great freaking theme song. And they were great as a team when the bell rang they wrestled they worked they had psychology they were a great team splitting them up was one of the dumbest things they ever did 
Yep. And no disrespect to Shad Gaspar, God rest his soul, but him and JTG did not work well as singles competitors. Yeah. They just didn't. And that's just me being honest. They did not get over well as singles competitors. But as a team, they were amazing. Amazing. The only problem is Vince McMahon doesn't take tag team wrestling seriously. You have to force him to. That's what the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge Christian did. He forced them to pay attention to those guys because they stole the show at two WrestleManias. So they had that in the palm of their hands. So tag team wrestling is like gravy to Vince. He doesn't care about tag team wrestling, which sucks because there's so many great tag teams. And Crime Time was an amazing fucking tag team. But, you know, Shad was able to find a life after wrestling. He was truly a family man and... You know, he, like I said, he cared about other people. He helped a lot of people out and he saved his son. You know, he is a father that he's one of those fathers that when he said, I will give my life up for my kids, he fucking meant it. There's a lot of parents who say that, but don't really mean it. He meant it. He did it. Yep. That's true. He gave, he gave his life to save his son. Yep. And that's why I, I, I'll say this. I hope his son cherishes his life every moment, every second of every day. Same here, same here, same here, sir, same here, sir. Alrighty then. Alright, Vinny. Anything else you have to add to this great, wonderful show? Yes. Once again, I want to congratulate Shad Gaspar on getting the Warrior Award. Very well deserved. Um, glad that you're able to uh, take your place in the Hall of Fame, at least in that regard. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and... I'm intrigued to see who's going to follow with the award next year because it's always going to be intriguing to see who wins the Warrior Award. I'm always I'm always fascinated by that. Maybe it'll be Logan Paul. Mm, I doubt it. I <laughs> know. I'm just messing. <laughs> Logan Paul's not winning a Warrior Award. No, he's not. He's not. He's no, not. No, 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 no. If anything, he'll go in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. I think, yeah, that, I think yeah. that's, that's where he belongs. Yeah, the celebrity wing. Celebrity Hall of Fame. I'm surprised it wasn't celebrity this year. Yeah, I know. But, all right, that's okay, fine. Maybe, that's we'll, okay. maybe they'll bring one in next year. Maybe. But, um, anyway, this, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up uh, this week's episode of The Boochcast. Zach, as always, I thank you for taking time. Maybe you will join me here. Of course. And I look forward to having you back on. Oh, I'll be here. Uh, I'll be here. I'll be here. I don't have anything else better to do than come and know you, motherfuckers. All right, well, make sure you guys uh, follow... The Boochcast, we are on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Breaker. Breaker. Google Podcast. Google Podcast. And iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash The Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out all the great YouTube content we have on there. And, of course, hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you'll know when the new content will be dropping soon to the YouTube channel. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, July the 30th for WWE SummerSlam. Day now, after my 36th birthday. Yes. Now, we're still trying to figure out how exactly we're going to go about doing this. There's one or two things that are going to happen. Either A, I'll be uh, live streaming it with Buff while we're in Tampa because I think we're, I know we're going to Tampa Bay that weekend for Tampa Bay Comic Con. Or I might have the team do it. Hopefully, uh, Desmond and Elvis can figure this shit out and then maybe they'll do something. We'll figure it out. One way or the other, we're going to have something for you guys for SummerSlam, we hope. Um... 
But we also got our D&D show uh, coming soon, uh, later this year. We got a lot of cakes. We're working out on that one. And, of course, once uh, Elvis and I get our schedules aligned, we will commence with the Boochcast booking battle. Now that WWE 2K22 is up and running, it actually fucking works. Um... We're planning on putting that together through the My GM mode. Elvis is going to pick a roster. I'm going to pick a roster. And we're going to display those shows every every week on the Twitch channel. And then we will let the GM mode, as well as the fans, decide who is the better Booker Man. Vinny Bucci or Elvis Dolinsky. He better win. And also, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at with prizes coming soon. The first level you can donate at is for 99 cents per month. This is for people who want to help out the show but don't have a lot of money to spend. Uh, We know you guys got bills to pay, mouths to feed. So the last thing we would ever do is make you guys sacrifice a payment, break the bank, or be guilt-tripped into donating any money to us that you don't have as long as you guys can listen to the show and share the links to everyone you know you're still helping us out and you're doing us a great service but if you still want to put a little skin in the game regardless 99 cents level is for you why because only 99 cents not that big a deal you're not gonna miss it but it helps us out a great deal because every little bit helps us keep this show thriving now, if you got some extra money you want to donate, we got the second level for people who want to donate. That is for $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there are fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. And as they sold to the Peacock, you got to put that $9.99, take that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content in the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. Now, with the money that we raised from this show, we put the money back into the show in some capacity one way or another. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host, you believe he's going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over I hate you when it's all said and done, yeah. we use the rest of the money to feed <laughs> this soulless gentleman here ramen noodles and try, <laughs> try... <laughs> Dear God, we're trying. We're really trying. I swear to God, we're trying. You guys are out there thinking, Vinny, you guys aren't trying. Yes, we are. No, we are trying. Not. Yes, we are. No, liar. Yes, we are oh, trying. You're so full of shit. You are an epic fail. That's the problem. As we try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. Mm. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. <laughs> Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.